Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears, as we head into week 17. Not the last week of the season, though. With the 17th game added, there's now 18 weeks, so this is our... 16th game in week 17 as we take on the Las Vegas Raiders. And I'm getting better, Jason, at not saying the Oakland Raiders. Last year when we played the Raiders, I said Oakland probably 15 times. And I think you were worse than me. I think you said it 20 times. The Las Vegas Raiders, we host them. They come in 8-7. and seven. We are currently sitting at 9-6. and six. So this is a flip game. If you lose this game, you have identical records and you lose the head-to-head tiebreaker. Right now, we're in pretty good shape overall, sitting at 9-6. and six. You win this game. You beat the Jags. Obviously, I think we just need to win this game. We clinch with a win. But you win these two games. You finish 9-3 and three in the AFC, which is really good in comparison to last year. So we just need one out of these final two. But in terms of seeding and really knocking the Raiders out of the playoffs, you win this game, they're kind of out of the playoff picture because there's so many teams knotted up in that 6-7 loss category right now so last year we lost a lot of these kind of games we beat the Raiders but we lost a lot of these kind of AFC bubble games they were really the only bubble team we beat last year everybody else Baltimore Pittsburgh Cleveland we lost all those games last year we did beat the Raiders Kenny Moore had that crazy one-hand interception and this week Jason has just been bonkers last week right before the cards game bunch of COVID cases this week continuing to add to that list including quarterback Carson Wentz but as the week went on the CDC changed their guideline from 10 days to five days the NFL has since adopted that new set of guidelines and everybody who missed last week including the guys who were put on the COVID-19 list this week are pretty much all able to come back as long as they have no symptoms. And right now, Leonard activated, Nelson activated. It looks pretty good for Carson Wentz. So in a crazy week where you look like you might not have anybody for this week, now all of a sudden, pretty much everybody's going to play on Sunday against the Raiders. Yeah, I think the NFL did the right thing here. I think it's going to make for a much better playoff experience for the players. And it's I, I was so worried about this being like a – a COVID Super Bowl, whoever got lucky with the COVID and whatever, could end up with like the Bengals and the Vikings and the Super Bowl or something insane like that. But this this levels the playing field. It should have probably been done earlier, but it is what it is. And so we're we're good. I mean, we, we get all those guys back. I expect all the COVID guys to play, including Wentz, based on what I've been told. Obviously, the concern this week is we don't have our left tackle and we probably will not have Jack Doyle. So that's, you know, with Max Crosby on their defense, who's really, really good and a Pro Bowl player for them this year, that's going to be an issue for us to deal with. But outside of that, man, we win, we're in. So it's that simple. If you would have told me this, we were 0-3, 1-4, and 3-5, that, you know, before the last week of the season, we could clinch a playoff berth, <laughs> I would have thought you were crazy. So we're in a really good spot here. They just got to come. Colts just got to come out and do what they've been doing for the last eight weeks, and really since the uh, the second Tennessee game, they've just played really, really good football. Need to stick to that, and they'll be all right, man. I, I mean, just getting in the playoffs is going to be is going to be a sweet feeling, and I hope this is the week we get to feel it because I think it'd be nice to clinch at home for the fans, and uh, they deserve it. The players deserve all the credit. They've done an outstanding job coming out, digging out of that hole early on in the season, and coming back and putting themselves in a position 
to go ahead and clinch a playoff berth this week. So I'm really excited about this game. Yeah, and to control your own destiny in week 15, to go from 1-4 and four, and then 10 weeks later with a buy-in there, so nine games later, to be controlling your own destiny is a really quick turnaround, and we've done our job since. Since we were put in that position, going into that Patriot game, we controlled our own destiny. We beat the Patriots, a really good football team on primetime on a Saturday night. Following week, we lose Nelson, we lose Leonard, we lose a bunch of guys due to COVID, and we go out shorthanded, and we beat the Cards, who are another really good team, on the road. And now we have a Raider team who we beat last year. We're in a really good spot. This COVID stuff really turned into a blessing in disguise when you look at it because now these guys don't get tested. These unvaccinated guys don't get tested for 90 days as long as they don't show any signs of symptoms of COVID. So right now, Nelson, Leonard, Wentz, we could go through to the Super Bowl and we might not have to worry about another COVID scare for the marquee players who are unvaccinated on this team. So we're in really good shape with all that. The timing of the whole rule change really played into our favor because we had this seemingly asymptomatic outbreak, if you even want to call it that, at this point. It all worked out because the week it hit us, we end up beating the Cardinals anyway, so... We were missing guys, but we won the game. And then the rule change, and now we get everybody back, including our quarterback, without missing any time, going into this Sunday in Week 16 against the Raiders as we look forward to the playoffs, having everybody and having a lot of these guys not have to get tested. So it really worked out to the Colts' benefit. The Tennessee Titan fan conspiracies out there think that the NFL did this to protect the Colts, but obviously the CDC doesn't give a crap about the Indianapolis Colts when they're making their decision. And the NFL has been consistent the entire time, whether you like it or not, in just kind of taking those guidelines and applying them. Because it used to be 14 days, then it went to 10 days, now it's gone down to 5 days. So, Jason, getting into the Oakland... Oh man, there we go. My first Oakland. Let's see who wins the Oakland counter in this podcast. I'm at one. Luke, Luke, Luke. Luke, I'm just gonna roll with Raiders. <laughs> well, then you'll win. The then you could yep. you could play defense. There's no shot clock. You could dribble the clock out because I'm already at one. But I guarantee you do it at least once, Jason. Okay. Okay. So we'll see. Starting with the Las Vegas Raiders offense, they come in 17th in the league, averaging 21.1 points per game. They have 22 turnovers and they've allowed 35 sacks. And that point per game number, I think I saw over their last four, they're dead last in the league. I think they're averaging like 16 points per game in the last month. So they're still a game above 500 at eight and seven, but the offensive numbers have definitely dipped over the last month for the Las Vegas Raiders. And they're led by quarterback Derek Carr, 4,363 passing yards, 68.7 completion percentage, 20 passing touchdowns to 12 picks. And of course the Raiders this season had the whole fiasco with John Gruden and the emails and Gruden getting fired. So they had a coaching shakeup in there, which I don't think we mentioned yet. So they had that coaching shakeup, which obviously plays into the offense because Gruden was the kind of offensive coordinator. He was calling the plays for this offense as well. In addition to being the head coach, kind of like the Colts with Frank Reich as this offense comes in ranked 17th in the National Football League in points per game heading into week 17. 
Yeah, and the Raiders' offense usually plays pretty well against us. I think Carr is kind of a, a quarterback that does well against our defense because he's more of a checkdown guy and a tight end guy, and we struggle especially with tight ends. But he hasn't been great this year. I watched a couple of games. The Browns game, when they basically played the Browns practice squad, it took a last-second field goal to win that game. Then last week they played the Denver Broncos without Teddy Bridgewater, and they barely won that game. So they've been winning games, but barely. So he hasn't been great this year. I do think he's a solid overall quarterback. Then you look at the rest of their offense. Obviously, Josh Jacobs is a big part of what they do at running back. 677 yards rushing, seven touchdowns, 319 yards receiving. Then you look at their tight ends. They've got two good ones. One of them, which is just really, really a great player, hasn't played but only 10 games this year. Has 53 receptions. That's Darren Waller. 53 receptions, 643 yards, two touchdowns in 10 games. I think he will be back this week. I'm not 100% positive, but as we record this, I'm just going to assume that he's playing. Then the other tight end is Foster Moreau, who's filled in for him and done a really good job. 27 receptions, 314 yards, and three touchdowns. And then their best receiving threat is Hunter Renfro. I mean, he's a really quick slot guy, catches everything thrown his way, 92 receptions, 949 yards, six touchdowns. So he's good on third down, and he leads the team in receiving touchdowns. And then the other notable guys that they have, Kenyon Drake, at running back, is really good out of the backfield, very fast. And then Zay Jones and Brian Edwards are very good young receivers. And then Deshaun Jackson is their deep threat. Hasn't done a whole lot since he's come over, but you always got to know where he is because he can still take the top off the defense. So, I mean, the Colts, they, they know what they're getting with this offense. It's a lot of checkdowns. It's a lot of dump-offs. It's a lot of seam routes to, to tight ends. So they're going to have to prepare and be prepared for that because that's what this team really does well. They like to get the, the ball to Jacobs, whether it's handed off or throw it out of the backfield. Um, and he can do a lot of good things with the ball. So Colts just got to be prepared, come out and play like they've been playing defensively. They've been outstanding for the last month, and uh, I expect them to come out and play well. They definitely have some young, good young players on this offense, but not a ton of, of game-breaking guys. So the Colts should be able to, to kind of hold their own in this game, make them go the long route. You know, the Raiders, will, they'll, they'll give up sacks. They'll turn the ball over. I think there's going to be some plays to be made this week. Obviously, we didn't get any turnovers in the Arizona game. I expect us to get one or two in this game. So, really, Colts just got to come out and do what they've been doing for the last you know half of the season and play their game, and they'll be fine. Yeah, especially when you have Darius Leonard back. He is a turnover machine. He's been a part of so many of the Colts' turnovers this year. I think we have 31 as a defense, and Leonard's been a part in more than one-third of those 30 turnovers, or 31 turnovers, I should say, takeaways for this Colts defense. And key number one, speaking of Darius Leonard, speaking of this linebacking core, key number one, the linebackers must control the middle of the field, control the seam routes, control the seams, control the middle of the field. They have a very good tight end in Darren Waller. If he plays, like you were saying, it's kind of questionable. It's up in the air right now. He hasn't had a great year. He's been battling different injuries this season, only played in 10 games. But when he does play, he is a great player, and we've seen him in the past. He is a great player. He's one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. Key number one, the linebackers must control the middle of the field. No question. They've got to be good with their drops. They've got to get deep enough on their drops so they can't get the ball thrown over their head for completions. They struggle with that against the Buccaneers. And Gronk had a field day. Waller's very similar. 
a little bit more speed and less power, but he can get down the seams of the field and make plays. Moreau has been really good for them. So it's going to be really, really important for not only Darius, but also, you know, EJ or Okereke, whoever's out there, that they take care of the middle of the field and don't get beat, don't take too shallow drops when when they're you know when you're dropping into coverage, make sure you get back deep enough to cover those seam routes because that's where they're going to try to make plays. If I was going against the Colts defense, that's where I'd want to make plays. And their best offensive player is our weakest point. Their tight end is their best player. We've struggled with tight ends, as we've talked about on this show. Done a better job lately. Did a pretty good job on Ertz last week. Got to do that again this week because they got two good ones. Uh, when Waller's on, he's as good as it gets in the league. So hopefully the Colts can get that done. I'm sure they're going to be prepared for that. And, yeah, they just got to make sure they take care of that and be be focused to make sure they get deep enough drops. And when they make plays, just make sure you get them on the ground. So definitely linebackers got to control the middle of the field. They do, do a good job in the running game, take care of the tight ends, and uh, that'll be good for our defense and a key to the game def- definitely for sure in getting a win. Key number two, tackle well. I think this is specific to Derek Carr because he likes to take the checkdowns, and we've seen – the Raiders in the past, I think it was 2018, where Carr had like 20 consecutive completions against our defense. And a lot of that is by design because we play that zone. We kind of let them catch the ball in a sense. And if you're going to do that and you're going to play that way and Carr's going to take advantage of those underneath dump offs, you're going to have to tackle well. That's going to be imperative to slowing down this offense. Key number two, tackle well. Yeah, it's 100%. This key is definitely 100% geared to the Raiders and what they do. Uh, They check down a ton. They're going to throw to Jacobs out of the backfield, and the Colts just have to break down and make tackles. They've done a really good job of it for the most part this year. This is going to be another game where they need to do that well. Don't overrun plays. Just make sure you you, you stick to your fundamentals, and and when the plays are there to be make them. Um, you can gang tackle against this team, and the Colts do a really good job of, of rallying 11 hats to the football. I think this is a game where maybe we could force a fumble on one of those checkdowns because of the way we play and the way we rally to the ball. So definitely tackling well is huge in this game because if you tackle well on a checkdown, that's two or three yards as opposed to a first down. So obviously very important to do that, and I think they'll do, do that well this week. I think Leonard had one last year against the Raiders. I want to say it was Hunter Renfro. It might have been. Jacobs on the dump down and Leonard came up and he got the ball out yeah there's definitely gonna be opportunities this week because that's what they do they they check the ball down a ton they don't take a lot of chances down the field so definitely there's gonna be opportunities for plays to be made we know 53 is gonna make plays so they want to check it down that's fine we're gonna we're gonna hit them with 11 guys and hopefully force some turnovers and key number three it kind of goes with key number two they're very similar key number two you want to tackle well key number three you want to get off the field on third down and if you tackle well you will get off the field on third down yeah no question and the reason why i i put this down specifically for the raiders is i I went back and thought about the 2019 game and how how we struggled we could not get off the field in that game at home jacoby was obviously the quarterback then this is a different team but it's important the defense did not do a good job in that game of getting off the field on third down. And they had a lot of continuous drives, a lot of completions in a row, like you mentioned earlier. Last year they did a little bit better, but they need to be even better in this game. So getting off the field on third down comes down to fundamentals, you know, control in the middle of the field, but like we talked about, but also tackling while having 11 guys run into the ball like we usually do and, you know, making plays. That's what the Colts have been doing. They do that this week defensively. This this should not be a tough game for them. I, I think this is – the kind of team that the Colts should handle 
especially with the health that they now, the renewed health that they have. So, yeah, those three things that we just talked about are huge for this team. Getting off the field on third down, getting the ball back to the offense is always key, but especially key this week with the way that the Raiders play offense. And flipping over now to the Raiders defense, 26th in the league in points allowed, allowing 25.8 points per game. They forced only 13 turnovers, and they have 31 sacks. Led by defensive end Max Crosby, you mentioned him earlier in the podcast, and this is somebody to watch, especially because of our tackle situation. We could be missing our left tackle, and right now I think he has like three injuries on the injury report, hasn't practiced all week in Fisher and our number one blocking tight end in Jack Doyle. So down those two guys, despite getting everybody else back, you're going up against a really good defensive end in Max Crosby, 46 tackles, six sacks, 10 tackles for loss and 26 quarterback hits. A lot of quarterback hits on the season for Max Crosby. Yeah, he's a great player. I hope the Colts will look at bringing him in when he's a free agent. I really like the way he plays. I think he's got a Colt mentality. But, yeah, he's a big-time player for them. You know, when I looked at their statistics overall as a defense, I was kind of shocked at how bad they are. You know, being 26 out of 32 and only forcing 13 turnovers. And they've got two pretty solid pass rushers. And, and you, we talked about Crosby, obviously. He's the, the bell cow, if you will, of their defense. And, Probably and should have talked The other guy's a Colts killer. Yeah, the other guy's a Colts killer in Yannick Ngakwe. We've dealt with him a million times, and he always has good games against us. He's got 27 tackles, nine sacks, which is more than Crosby, obviously, seven tackles for loss, and 19 quarterback hits. So between them, that's 45 quarterback hits. So our tackles have their work cut out for him this week. Then you look at linebacker, Perryman's a, a, a tackling machine. He's got 138 tackles, five tackles for loss, three quarterback hits. And then the other notables on their defense, they're, they're pretty stout in the middle. Quentin Jefferson and Jonathan Hankins, our old pal that was here for, I think, only a year, but really played well when he was here. They've been really good in the middle. And also Solomon Thomas is a rotational player after coming over from the 49ers. So they're pretty they're pretty stout on the defensive line. You look at linebacker, I already mentioned Perryman. They got K.J. Wright, who came over from Seattle. And then Corey Littleton, who's, who's a younger player. Then safety, they got Trayvon Morig, who they just drafted, who's started every game for them and played really well. They'll be without Jonathan Abram this week. He's out for the season. He was injured, I think, in the Browns game and was placed on injured reserve, so he will not be playing. And then veteran cornerback Casey Hayward is a really solid player as well for them. So they've got some talent on defense, especially on the defensive line. I like their front seven. The back end is kind of banged up and not – I just don't have a lot of talent back there. For us, it's just going to be about controlling those defensive ends. I mean, we know what Ngakwe can do. We've seen him do it with – I mean, he's been with the Jags. He's been with the Ravens. Now he's with the Raiders. So we know what he can do. He always plays well against us. Hopefully we can do a good job with him. And Crosby's just a playmaker, man. He just does all the little things. He's good in the run game. And then those two guys up the middle that I mentioned, Hankins and Jefferson, both of them can you know press the pocket. I think they both have four sacks, and they're very good against the run. So – their defense, I would say, is better than their numbers indicate. Their front seven talent is is decent. It's not bad. I, li- I like their rotation on the D-line. They've got some really talented guys. So I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult to run against them to, than to throw because their back end is not very good and they're, they're missing Abram, like I mentioned. But either way, in the average – they give up, what, 26 a game, So, and they don't force a lot of turnovers. That's the big thing. They don't force a lot of turnovers. So if you take care of the ball, you should be able to score against this team. 
And that's what the Colts have to do. I mean, they got to just continue to take care of the ball, do what they do. Don't let the defense dictate to you. You dictate to the defense. So I expect the Colts to come out and play well offensively and hopefully do a really good job with these ends. I think that's going to be the biggest key to the game because those defensive ends, both we know Ngakwe can make a huge difference and change games and Crosby's, you know, an outstanding young player. So our defensive or our excuse me, our offensive tackles, whether that be Smith and and Fisher or Smith and Davenport or Smith and Pryor, it doesn't matter. It's going to be a tough matchup. Whoever's out there left tackle going against Crosby, they got to do a really good job because those two guys both are game wrecking type players. So definitely got to take care of those guys. If we do that, we'll be fine. Yep. And the keys to the game for the Colts offense, key number one, stay balanced. This is a key every week because when you look at the Colts splits, it would make no sense not to be balanced. We're at our best when we're balanced. Key number one, stay balanced, mix it up, and get Hines involved a little bit in the run game as well. Get Naheem Hines a couple carries in this game. Key number one, stay balanced. Yeah, and I mentioned the Hines thing just specifically because I feel like, okay, we're at a spot now where we can kind of ease off Taylor until mm-hmm. the playoffs. You obviously don't want to just stop giving Taylor the ball, but I think we can definitely mix in more Hines runs. And if you even want to get Jackson out there for some runs, that's fine. You, you still get, obviously give the, the most of the carries to Taylor, mm-hmm. but you can certainly tailor, pardon the pun, the offense to get everybody involved. So I would like to see them do that. But yeah, staying balanced is always going to be important for this offense. Whenever we're you know, too skewed one way or the other, especially towards passing the ball, we tend to turn it over and bad things happen. So staying balanced, getting the ball to our playmakers, always really important. I think in the last two games, it's going to be much, much more important than previously, considering where we're at, at the time of the season that we're in. I think you should probably see more carries with, with uh, Hines and just trying to get more you know guys the ball and mixing it up. And as long as we do that, I think we're going to be fine the fi- you know the final two games. I, I really kind of want to give Taylor a little bit of a break until the playoffs because I feel like in the playoffs, I mean, that's when you're going to want to really ride him. So I think these last two games, you want to get Hines more carries, get him involved, throw him some check downs out of the backfield, get him on the field more, get him involved more because he really hasn't been that involved. So hopefully they'll do that this week, stay balanced, you know, make some throws with Carson and, and also mix it up with the run game. Yeah, I like that key a lot, Jason. I like adding in the Naheem Hines part because we need one out of these two. So maybe not this game. You go out, you win this game. If you clinch and there's not much movement for seeding heading into the last week, there could be. Theoretically, the Dolphins could beat the Titans and we could be going into week 18 with a chance to win the division still. But let's say there's not that opportunity. The Titans win. We win, we're comfortable, we're locked in somewhere between the five and the six, and there's not much movement, and the matchups doesn't really matter too much. I don't really want to run Taylor all that much in the final week because at that position, it's such a grueling position, and we've already used him so much since week five because we got off to that terrible start where we weren't using him enough at all the first four or five weeks when we were sitting at one and four. And obviously since then he's turned into more of a bell cow for us. But if we want to make a run and win a Super Bowl, which I think we all do, it's going to have to be Taylor 28 to 35 times a game, in my opinion, to get to the Super Bowl, which is where we all want to be. So it would be very beneficial for Taylor to take that week 18 off or have maybe five, six carries in that game. And you could beat Jacksonville. You should be able to beat Jacksonville without 
giving Taylor a bunch of carries. If the game means something, we need to win and get in, then of course you run Taylor. He has a big game and you get into the playoffs. But I like you added that because there's a lot of wear and tear, especially at that position. We've seen so many running backs have short-lived careers and go down because it's such a physically grueling and demanding position. Key number two, do not let Max Crosby wreck the game. We already talked about the tackle situation with Eric Fisher and also Jack Doyle. So we're missing a couple key guys, left tackle, top blocking, tight end, going up against a good defensive end. So you don't want him to wreck the game, especially given key injuries for the Colts offense. Yeah, and now that I think about it, it really should be Crosby and Ngakwe, considering what Ngakwe has done to us in the past. That's true. I do think that you know Braden will do a decent job on Ngakwe, but the problem here is it doesn't matter if it's Fisher, Davenport, Pryor. Crosby is head and shoulders better than all of those guys, so they've got to make sure they get him blocked. It cannot be one-on-one like last week. Luckily for the Colts, they didn't really call holding because they literally could have called Julian Davenport for tackling Chandler Jones pretty much every play. I mean, he literally turned it into a tackling drew on almost all of our pass plays. He just friggin' tackled the guy. I don't know who the refs are this week. I don't really do the ref check thing, so I don't know who that's going to be. But if we get a crew that calls a ton of hold, you know, just penalties in general, this could be a situation where we get a ton of holding penalties, and that could really screw up our offense. We cannot. And, and Cros- you know, there's different ways to wreck a game. Crosby can cause force fumbles. He can, you know, hit our quarterback, you know, whatever. But even more than that, holding penalties will kill us because that sets you back. You start, you know, first and 20, second and 15, whatever the case. It makes it much more difficult, and you're constantly chasing the sticks. So the Colts have to take care of this guy. You cannot hold him. You're going to have to block him. And if that means putting Mo over there to help, then you put Mo over there to help. That means using the back out of the backfield to chip, and you got to do that as well. So don't let Crosby wreck the game, and that has many meanings, like I just explained. So if we can take care of that, get that get that guy blocked for the most part, we should be fine. And key number three, no turnovers. Take what the defense gives you. They've only forced 13 turnovers on the year. They've played, what is it, Jason, at this point? 15, 15. games? So. Yep. They're averaging less than a takeaway per game. The Colts have done a pretty good job this year at taking care of the football. I think Wentz is at six interceptions, couple fumbles here and there for Wentz, two for Taylor. So we've done a pretty good job at taking care of the football. In games where Wentz has thrown less than 40 passes, I think he only has two interceptions on the year because two came in the game where he had 44 Two came in the game where he had 51. So when he throws less than 40 times, he's only thrown two picks on the season. They have not forced a lot of turnovers. Don't give them those opportunities. Take what the defense gives you. Key number three, really basic, no turnovers. Don't turn over the football. Yeah, and the you know, listen, the, for me, when we're playing teams like this that I, I feel like we're clearly head and shoulders better than, the only way that they're going to beat us is if we start making mistakes, whether like we talked about in the previous key, we're holding and getting behind the sticks, or if we're trying to force the ball down the field into windows that aren't there, you get turnovers, that gives them confidence, it kind of turns into a snowball effect. I think that's kind of what happened in 2019. Last year, obviously, we we won in Vegas and did a much better job. For me, we just got to stick to what we do. And what we do best is run the ball, 
get the ball to Pittman, you know, take time off the clock, possess the ball. And when we do that, we're tough to beat, very tough to beat. In fact, I don't think we've lost a game where we've taken care of the ball, not turned it over and really just possessed it for a long period of time, kept our defense off the field. And we do that by not turning the ball over and taking what's there, whether that's a check down, whether that's a couple passes, you know, in the middle of the field for five yards, doesn't matter. Just take whatever's there, keep it moving, you know, don't get penalties that set you back. Don't make stupid decisions with the football. Don't put it on the ground. Obviously, this is all common sense. But, I, you know, the only way I see Oakland, there it is. Yes. We're tied. We're tied. There I we go. It. Tied. I was actually getting nervous because we're in the fourth quarter of this podcast. Yes. And you didn't drop yes, an there, old there bomb. I'm so disappointed in myself. But the only way the Raiders stay in this game <laughs> is if we, if, we, if we don't do these things and give them a chance to stay in it, get confidence, build that confidence. And the only way they can really do that is by getting turnovers, in my opinion. So taking the, what the defense gives you is always very important, especially this week. And you know what time it is, Jason. It's time for the For the Culture predictions. So I'll go first. I'm taking the Colts in this game. We're hot. We beat the Patriots. We beat the Cardinals. We beat the Cardinals with a lot of second string, third string backup guys out there on the field. I think that builds confidence. I just don't see the Colts really losing either one of these final two games. We got a break this week with the NFL changing their COVID rules. So we're getting a bunch of guys back. We're getting guys back that never left, that almost missed this upcoming week due to the rule and now are not going to miss the game due to the new rule or the rule change. So I just feel good about it. I feel good about the spot we're in. We kind of are riding that magic, if you will, at this point. The Raiders have been very poor offensively over their last four. The Colts' defense has been great besides the second half or the third quarter against the Bucks, and really the Colts in general offense and defense and special teams besides the second half against the Bucks. So I just feel good about the spot we're in and we're at home and we know a win clinches a playoff berth no matter what happens in any other game, no matter what happens in week 18. You could lose to Jacksonville. If you win this game, you clinch. We're at home. And the last time we were at home, the place was rocking. Lucas Oil was rocking. We beat the Patriots. Since then, we've just kept the ball rolling. So I think we come home, we clinch, we beat the Raiders. I'm going to go. I'm going 35 to 20. I think we win this game handily. I'm going big. I think we're probably like a touchdown favorite in this game. I think we cover. I think we win by more than 10 points. I'm going. 35 to 20. One of my biggest point differentials of the season. I think the only game I picked by about that many or more was the Texans game, the second Texans game. But I feel good about this one just because of the spot we're in. We're rolling, we're wheeling, we're dealing. I'm taking the Colts big in this one. I'm going by double digits. I'm going 35 to 20. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the Colts win this easily by double digits. They get all these guys back. Darius is raring to get out there and play. <laughs> you know how much it killed him last week not to be out there. So I think the Colts win easily. They're at home. They're playing for everything. They've got the better team. They've got the better coach. They're playing their best football of the year. Their defense has been balling for 
the last three games just balling out. Uh, they've been running the ball. They ran the ball with their skeleton crew offensive line last week. The only way I see the Raiders stand in this game is if we start turning it over and getting penalties, and we just haven't done that. We've been really, really good about that for the last eight games. So I, I like the Colts in this game big. I think it'd be a huge, huge thing to get this at home, get it done, get the playoffs clenched, put some pressure on Tennessee. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in that Tennessee Dolphin game? You know, you just never know. So last year, if you think about it, the division race really came down to the last five minutes of that Texans-Titans game, and we very, were very, very close to winning the division if the, if the Titans hadn't have come back and, and uh, made a play at the end of the game. It, I think they were down and they came back and went to overtime. I can't remember exactly, but they were very, very lucky to get it, like, you know, to win the division last year. Some things had to go right for them at the end, but I still think the Titans probably win it. Yeah. But as but far Mills, as this game goes – And Mills is playing good football all of a sudden. Right. If they if they lose to the Dolphins, the the Titans, and then all and I mean all the pressure yeah. is on them. And Just I think like they will lose to the Dolphins. I think they're gonna lose to Miami. Well, you can I certainly hope so. I don't think they're gonna lose the final week to the Texans, but at least that pressure could be on them. They've kind of been skating. So the Texans are a weird team, dude. They they, they, are. they smoked the Chargers, they hung they really hung in there with New England. They beat the Titans the first time, and it wasn't even close, and it was in Tennessee. Yep. So that's not a given game. Mills is playing a lot better. They've got some confidence. Their co- I mean, I'm not trying to turn this into a Texans podcast, but their <laughs> coach has done a really good job of, of getting them to play hard. I love, when, I love whenever we talk about another team for more than 30 seconds. You always right, say, is. I'm not trying to turn this into a blink that team's right. podcast. Right. Well, I mean, I just don't want people listening to think we're, you know, we're trying to turn this into an NFL podcast. But I'm just we're, we're, we're just talking. We're, we're going straight Texans. It's yeah. a Texans podcast, yeah. Jason. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a big Davis Mills fan. What can I say? But, but as far as like the games go, I think the Colts win this game. And, and Luke, before we before we end the show, I do want to share some thoughts on on the passing of John Madden, who re- th- this loss really kind of hit me hard because. Mm-hmm. He was a really the soundtrack to my to my childhood, and I know a lot of people that listen to our show know him from the video games. Some people know him from his hilarious commercials. My dad knows him as a hell of a football coach. With the, I think he has the highest winning percentage with over a hundred wins. So he's a great coach. This guy was universally loved. He was a great coach. He was a great commentator. He brought so much personality to the game. You've got the video games, which you know everyone loves. And then the commercials and everything, everything this guy did, he was he was the best at it, whether it's video games, commercials, coaching, commentating. It didn't matter. And the thing I loved about him, aside from all those things I just said, and I think this is a hell of a legacy to leave. If I could leave this legacy, I would I would feel wonderful. He brought everybody together, whether you're black, white, whatever your race, whatever your creed, whatever your sex, it doesn't none of that crap matters. He brought everybody together that love football. And you could disagree on politics or religion or whatever, but everybody loved John Madden because he was a great personality. He was a positive guy and he brought everyone together. And I think that's a great legacy. He did a lot of great things as a coach. He did a lot of great things as a commentator. But for me, his legacy will be the fact that he brought so many different types of people together, whether it was as a coach on his team from different places and bringing them together to win a Super Bowl in 1976 when they beat the the Vikings or whether it was just bringing people together in front of the TV to watch games. I think that's a hell of a legacy to, to, to have. It's a, with the, with the way the world is right now and the way everything's going, 
I wanted to, to kind of pay my respects to him at the end of the show because I feel like he was really one of those rare people that everybody loved. And I feel like he put, you know, his heart and soul into this league. He loved the game. He loved football. He loved people. And when you leave this earth, if, if, if people, if, if you can say you were pretty much universally loved outside of one idiot on Twitter that I saw blame head injuries on him, but you know, I'm trying not to get away from that, that moron. You know what I'm saw, talking about? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. But, but aside from that one moron, like everybody loved John Madden. And like I said, if your legacy when you leave this earth is that you brought people from every walk of life together. And those people, you know, spent positive time with each other and enjoyed the sport of football. And they all, you know, came together for that common thing. That's a hell of a legacy to leave. So I just wanted to say that I love John Madden. I think he was great at everything he did. And uh, I think this is a huge loss for the NFL and the NFL community and fans everywhere. And my thoughts and prayers are with the Raiders, their organization, the fan base, and every fan, really, because we all loved them. So... I just wanted to pay my respects to John Madden, who was an absolute treasure. This, I was so happy to see that he got to see that documentary that was made about him before he passed. And I'm so happy that he got to go into the Hall of Fame before he passed. So those are my thoughts on John Madden. Rest in peace, big man. You were, you were a special guy. Very well said, Jason. And it's cool how different generations do remember him differently. I remember the tail end of him and Al Michaels on Sunday Night Football. But I remember him more so, obviously, from the video game and being the face and the name of the video game. But then if you go back a couple generations, people remember him as a coach. People remember him as a commentator. People remember him from commercials. People remember him from the video game. And he did it all well. He did everything he did at an extremely high level. And you're right. He was pretty much universally liked. I'm sure everybody, like out of a world of seven and a half, eight billion people. Of course, there's a couple of people that will hate everybody, especially when you're in the public light like that. But could you be a, any less controversial? Can you be any less like 20% of the population hates you than John Madden? Pretty much everybody liked this guy, except one or two idiots that stick out of a crowd on Twitter. But that's just because of, you know, Twitter being Twitter and people having to troll on twitter but rest in peace i saw that he was 85 years old which i was actually a little bit surprised about i thought he was older than 85 but he lived such a full life he lived probably 300 years worth or 400 years worth within his 85 years he just accomplished so much and i i'm glad you brought it up i'm glad we're giving him this moment to uh, reflect on his life and to face the raiders this week who he coached is perfect so it's the perfect way for us to give our remembrance for john madden a great coach a great man great commentator video game personality everything he he did it all and he was a great ambassador to the nfl for a very long time so he will absolutely be missed in the nfl community so jason great job very nice words and great things to say about the legend john madden and that pretty much Wraps it up on this episode of the For the Culture podcast. We'll be back on Sunday night with the game recap. That's my man, Jason Spears. I'm your host, Luke Diamond. Enjoy the game. If you're going to the game, you'll be in the building for a chance to clinch a playoff spot and send the Colts to the postseason. 
for the second time in a row and for the third time in four years under Frank Reich with our third different quarterback, our fourth different quarterback, but our third different starting quarterback to make the playoffs. Very, very, very difficult to do. So we'll be back Sunday night to wrap it up right here on the Fourth Quarter Podcast.